0: Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. hey everyone welcome to wandering
1: dms i'm paul and i'm dan and i'm so happy that you've joined us for this episode of wandering dms because we have two very special guests here we have jameson stone who is the ceo and creative director of apotheosis studios and uh, his partner Satine phoenix who is co-creative director of apotheosis studios and also Possibly you know her as actor, author, artist, and what some people refer to as the queen of D&D. So we're so glad, Jameson and Satine, you could join us today. Thank you.
2: Oh, it's so good to be here. Happy Mother's Day. Happy uh, Sunday, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. That's great. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, Paul and I are matching. I love that. That's so cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to dig in. You guys have a great new uh, product for fifth edition D&D coming up that's currently on Kickstarter that's doing very well and it's called, as, as you can see on screen there, Siren's Battle of the Bards and uh, I'm quite likely to accidentally say or type Battle of the Bands at some point when we, <laughs> when we discuss this, but maybe how about you guys tell us to begin with in, gen- in general terms what that, what that product's all about.
3: Sure, absolutely. So Siren's Battle of the Bards is a fifth edition campaign and setting set in the artistic world of Salvata. Salvata is a city out in a desert built on an oasis made by bards for everyone. Um, So we wanted to create this really magical location. What would a city of artists look like? Um, Our last campaign and setting book was called The Red Opera and it was focused on warlocks. So there are fiends, archfey Fae, um, patrons, all sorts of things floating around. It's a very dark and mysterious city. and We wanted for this setting, again, based on bards to be artistic, uplifting, very bright, very light and very creative. And when you have the, the you know brightest creative lights, you also have the deepest, darkest shadows. And so a fiendish presence has, inf- has infiltrated the city and it is your job as our players uh, to answer Vlania's call and reclaim the city assist the rebellion and overthrow Guillermo Cabal. Mm-hmm. Or, if you'd like, you can join Guillermo Cabal. You can, um, you know, we have a Do your own
2: thing? Do yeah. your own
3: thing. We have a bunch of different endings for this campaign to really lean on player agency.
1: That's great. That's awesome. great. Awesome. So obviously the, the campaign setting, I mean, it's big. It's like a 300 page book. Uh, it's, it's elaborate art. And, you know, just, I was, when I saw the sample uh, chapter there, it's on Kickstarter. I was really blown away by just the production quality. Thank
3: you.
1: Um, yeah, very, very impressive. Um, you have, a, I mean, on that point, you have a big uh, team working on it. I mean, maybe tell us some other folks that have contributed to that.
2: Yeah, yeah so we have our executive team, and um, that's myself, Jameson, Rick Hines, the writing director, and David Granjo, our art director. Then we have other contract writers. <clears throat> we have about 13 contract writers working on different sections. Basically, we're all making this uh, together at the same time, as well as uh, we have some VIP celebrity writers that are going to be doing side quests, NPCs, locations, and magic items. We have Deborah Ann Wall, um, and that's pretty amazing. She's an awesome dungeon master, if you have not seen or uh, Deborah Dungeon Master, go watch Lost Odyssey. Or I think it's Relics and Rarities or Relics and Requilaries. Rec- 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 yes. And it, yeah. yeah um, and she's on Daredevil and she's on True Blood. We also have Chris Funk from the Decembrists. We've got Keith Baker, uh, who's done, you know, Eberron was my favorite setting and uh, like <laughs> ever. And uh, Illamot with the Decemberists and the Adventure Zone board game. And we've got, uh, really awesome people like Mitch Iverson, who is one of the writers on Voltron. He did the Dungeons and Dragons episode of Voltron. Uh, We've got Elisa Teague. Oh yeah, he worked on the new Dota anime on Netflix. And we have a lot of really amazing people. Elisa Teague, I don't know if you guys know Elisa, but... She's also, I call her the puzzle mistress. <laughs> she's so amazing. Yeah, we have a really, like, a, an awesome group of people working on this. I could go on and on, but you can go to the Bardbook.com and, and list. But one of the uh, people that I've been wanting to work with for a really long time, uh, she's part of our contract workers, is Monica Valentinelli. And she's been in the industry for uh, a really long time as well, worked on stuff like Vampire and Shadowrun, I believe, and Firefly. And yeah, we've just got this. Um, amazing group of writers and artists and sculptors and musicians. Jason Charles Miller is one of the musicians that worked on the was working on our stuff with us. He did the trailer video. So I don't know if you if you go there and you play it. I sing on it. That's the real thing. But he made me sound awesome. (laughs) So it's it is amazing how many people now that I'm talking about it. I mean, we've got about 3040 people working on this one book, which is you know that's how we're able to get it out you know around christmas time so yeah
3: it's it's fantastic for us to just be able to set the framework and you know for our, our small creative team to really solidify the, the sandbox um and then have all these other amazing creators build just beautiful beautiful things that are we have a i mean we're so lucky that the edition community is so creative and so to be able to have people involved in the project and really shine their own you know creative insights into it is pretty awesome
1: that's great. We're huge fans of of so many people, and it was when I was looking at the Kickstarter, was really impressed by really a, a all star lineup. Uh, a, a super group of, of uh, Fifth Edition uh, creators, if you will, and of course, among our favorites, among our favorites is, is Lisa Teague that you mentioned. And Paul, maybe you quickly yeah. clue them into well, why uh, we know her,
0: right? Uh, and uh, fans of the show may remember uh, last uh, November when um, the Big Bad, uh, our competitive D and D show, was on. Uh, Lisa was on <laughs> a team with uh, Stefan Corney and Luke Gygax. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They were, uh, they were, uh, and they all showed up in cosplay as their characters which was a total surprise right. to Dan and I. <laughs> so they really uh they really knocked it out of the park. That was an amazing. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. So, that sounds
1: yeah. like it. Sounds like an interesting show, Paul. I should yeah. go, uh, go... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, The Big bad. Yeah. There you go. Like I should that. go nice look as that as up. Look. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so you know one thing. Yeah, go, go ahead, Paul. Go.
0: Go. I was just going to plug the URL, wandering so
1: That's <laughs> the big. Part. Okay. Go. See. <laughs> maybe someone can put that in the chat in the next second or two would be great um so you know i read uh the, the sample chapter to uh battle of the bards and i it really hit a very warm spot, spot for me in a way that honestly i really didn't expect and i think the reason for that is and it's funny because i don't think this is this may have never come up in the three years that we've been doing the show but before and paul before paul and i started this show i was in an indie punk band for a number of years um, as a drummer and we were pretty serious about it and we we would tour in the summers and stuff like that and so obviously you know the 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 battle of Bards product is very music oriented it's very it's focused on bards and among the uh, aspects that the players have to navigate is actual Performance scenes as you attempt to make a name for yourself in the city of the Bard, Salvata, and the atmosphere that you guys you guys really nailed the atmosphere of the backstage environment to me, (laughs) at like an indie, an indie music show and the different bands that might be allies (laughs) or competitors (laughs) and the the drinking and they're trying to hustle for contacts or money or to sell merch. (laughs) Was it was really and and I don't see music in your guys' bios. So tell me, how did you was it what like they, like do you guys have music experience or is this like like just general understanding of how performance works? Where does how did you guys nail that so hard?
2: Yeah, it's a general understanding of performance. So I've been an entertainer, a stage entertainer of all different kinds my whole life. I was in stage theater and also did some burlesque and um have emceed and so oftentimes you know and i've done yeah i've done a lot and it's very consistent i have friends who are performers uh, musicians and so i would go with them while they're on tour to their events and just hanging out backstage seeing how it all works you, it's so similar with the different artistic um mediums that i'm really glad that it came across <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's perfect.
3: And and one of the one of the cool things too for for people who want to play a musical bard it fits in perfectly and for people who also even maybe don't want to play a bard they get to under the guise of this uh, of being a band to infiltrate the city and so this is the way that you can have a barbarian a monk a wizard who whomever it is. Kind of almost masquerade as a band, and to to (laughs) to to insert themselves into the city in this grand invocation, kind of to to slide under the radar, and then give them the opportunity to be a band, even though they wouldn't necessarily. And it's really a
2: performance trip, right? So maybe you are just the Blue Man Group, and you're not doing um, a lot of. Performs, yeah. even though I think they're all percussionists. But yeah, um, yeah so yeah. really, it's what's it like being on stage, yep. and what's it like? How how nervous do you get when you see people in the audience, and all of a sudden nobody's cheering, yeah. and they're mm-hmm. waiting for you to come out? And I remember I was um, dungeon mastering for dice camera action at a convention. I think it was an unplugged or something, and I that was one of the first times maybe that was the first time I dungeon mastered in front of like 1200 people. It was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and I've been on stage, you know, dozens of times before. But that yeah. was so different because it it just like, yeah. So I'm really glad you liked that. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. You, so you just you just mentioned Blue Man Group and and uh, my partner. And I are pretty good friends here with uh, someone who is the, the stage manager and uh, production designer for, for Blue Man Group here in New York City oh, for about 15, cool 15 years. Yeah. Oh my god! right? Yeah, yeah, right. My partner, mm-hmm. when we first time we went to see it, uh, Isabel, Reinvited artist Isabella Garbani who shows up on the show here once in a while, said, You're either going to really love this or you're going to hate this. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know what your take is like. That. How could, you? and I came away, it's like, How could anybody hate that? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause like
2: yeah. we, we did a deep dive on like what is a bard, right? Like what is a bard? A bard is an artist. Um, and an artist is a master communicator. And that master communicator can evoke emotions either. Um, attracting emotions or repelling emotions and so if you simplify it that way you can reverse engineer a writer is a bard and um and a painter is a bard i'm a comic book artist illustrator he's a a comic book um author and a novelist and so you know it goes from there to um some people are just dancers and some people are orators and some people are rappers and it's you have all these different kinds of people and a lot of the stuff that we do is forefront right well what about all the introverted people out there that don't want to be center stage they want to be backstage so we've actually we have it so that you can also have parts of your performance troupe backstage influencing what's yep. happening on stage mm-hmm. you know and we kind of um in that chapter one we show you you don't go first we actually have other um characters or other performances go first so that you can learn how they're doing it and get inspired so that you can go in when it's your turn and understand that maybe there's one person on stage, but you have your, um, your wizard backstage doing some stuff, you know, you got someone in the audience hyping up everybody. (laughs) And and, um, there's just so many ways to come at performing for an audience. That's fantastic! Really awesome oh, yeah. combat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We haven't even That's, gotten into that. Yeah. That's great.
3: That's
0: great. I, I honestly because... love interpretations of bards like that. I know that most folks tend to think immediately of music, but like any kind of performance art, you know, get a get a bard up there who's doing mime, get a bard who's you know doing stage magic. I don't know. There's there's so many interesting ways to twist that. I think.
2: We yeah. have a magician. I I totally who's a writer on our on our project as well. Yeah. It's an actual stage magician. <laughs> that's,
0: uh, yeah, so sorry here's yeah, a Random 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 uh piece of trivia for wandering DMs fans. Uh my parents are actually stage magicians. So, uh Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I grew up so around that. I have so many questions yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that's my head goes there pretty quick. <laughs> Dan, you were. No, you I got the, the, the,
1: the construction of that first act, I totally see that because uh, so our, our good friend Ash here in the in the chat here is saying we need an audience plant hype man, and that's totally in that's totally in the first act. There's totally a there's totally a group of hype men that uh, is a, a possible ally or possible opponent, and my personally my favorite was the group of pixie uh, tactical guys. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's, that's actually the very first group of of pixies that sh- turn invisible and then fix yeah. stuff on stage if anybody tries to sabotage it potentially. And uh, I hope I'm not giving too much ability about that scenario, but I will say in our own experience, we did learn tip the tech guy. Walk into into establishment, (laughs) slip the tech guy 20 bucks. That is among the most important things uh, in a a New York uh, uh, indie venue. So a little tip tip (laughs) to the players when you're going through chapter one of Sirens.
2: Yeah, it, it was really important to us that we not tell the players how to do stuff. We show them in the game with other groups things that are possible. So now with the Pixies, you can imagine Wait, somebody can sabotage us on stage? Yeah. And then, wait a minute, we can sabotage people on stage? Yeah. And so that's how we're trying to, to kind of like dose information out through the experience versus, okay, now you can do this. This is what you can do, you know? And not
3: just for the players, too, but for the G, you know, for the, the game master. And so we have a, a bunch of GM tips literally by you know gm tips master herself um to <laughs> really? be able to have it into to, to really help the game master curate this experience um to have a, a bunch of diversity in in how the play style goes because we're introducing a lot of a lot of new elements um yeah. and it's it's awesome to, then to be able to kind of both for a new gm kind of hold their hand through the process or for a very seasoned gm who's maybe been you know game mastering for 20 you know 25 30 years um here are some references specifically to Selvata, specifically to this campaign, right at your fingertips so you can hit the ground running.
2: Yeah. We wanted to give, show people the skills that we've learned from convention games, from uh, virtual games. From stream games because those are also different and they're mm-hmm. so different because a lot of the charity streams um, you're working for entertainment and you're working for time right you have to how can you do this in a very short amount of time so we're teaching efficiency and um, how to move and pacing and player agency this is probably the most player agent um, game I've ever run Uh, we've ever created the whole thing takes place over a 10 day so that's 10 main chapters that happen over a 10 day so with 10 side quests with 10 side quests yeah
0: (laughs) that's amazing i i was definitely struck when i was looking at your kickstarter at how many uh different third-party uh systems you're plugging into right i think you're on you have a roll 20 plugin and a, um, uh um uh, uh oh oh words are failing me uh fantasy uh, ground fantasy grounds uh, thank foundry. you that's the one i was trying to spit Foundry's out in there. Uh, a couple other
1: ones uh weave yeah, right Char- you yeah, guys are working with weave
0: yeah. yeah uh so how yeah. I'm, I'm curious when uh how are you running your games these days in these these exciting times
3: so um when, when, when we run our games we use um, a lot of D and D beyond and uh, so when we do couples couples D and D, we it's Yeah, we're just of like in
2: person with each just, other.
3: Yeah, kind of just old, old school, but there there's so many people that really love VTTs. Um, mm-hmm. and so we it, it's been an honor for us to be able to say, Okay, here's here's kind of our, our core campaign and setting, here are all the characters, and then work with these VTTs individually. Um, and each one is, is is really different. They've kind of fit different niches and there's uh, like three three others that are up and coming too, that we're in talks with um, and it's amazing to see all the technological innovation. And I, I'm a huge video gamer. And so it's, it's awesome to see how they're leveraging Steam, Steam Communities and um, you know Unity and like all these other different game engines to be able to actually bring and start to hybridize um, virtual and kind of physical theater of the mind together Mm -hmm. um and not lose some of the magic of theater of the mind as well um so it's been fantastic
2: yeah it's really interesting so because like i myself run um everything on Evernote with hyperlinks to things like that's my my big excitement that I do as a dungeon master. So in the PDF, we're able to use hyperlinks to help the dungeon master navigate around quickly because it's you have to keep pace this fast, everything has to move. And the moment you're kind of like, Stopping to kind of try to figure things out. That's not fun So we're designing the layout of the book so that you can do it like that Um, You taking the we're not reinventing that much, but we are I'm really picky with graphic design and storytelling through graphic design and, and Information efficiency. So that's something that we're really focusing on there showing that in the pdf and also showing that in these VTTs. So virtual tabletop, in case someone doesn't know what that means, um, it's like, it's your game board, it's your music, it's your tokens, and it's also all the information that you're going to get, but organized, right? Really, so really well, some people yeah. are like, well, why would I get the the PDF and the VTT or the book and the VTT It's like, oh, well, this is so organized that all your handouts are, are there and available. Somebody's actually t- dissected the book and organized it in a way that is most efficient for this virtual tabletop platform. Yeah, for
3: with hyperlinks inside of their platform. Um, so it goes directly, links into, and then you can share what the other people see with your screen. A lot of them have either web-based or app-based um, yeah. you know, browsing platforms, which is pretty rad.
2: Yeah, yeah, so even in the book, we have QR codes so that you can scan the chapter oh. that the music is coming in. Oh, okay we have a full orchestral soundtrack so yeah. this soundtrack goes with this but we also have sirenscape mm-hmm. so now you've got this is your chapter here's the sirenscape sound pack so that has the different sound effects the sound boards and you know if you're in this in this is what that in sounds like uh, we describe i don't know if you guys downloaded the sirenscape
3: for for free, uh, so for free, for free.
2: <laughs> um, along with chapter one but when you're reading it as a dungeon master there's this thing. It's like, and there's an orc singing a love song. The and Ben music. Looms from Sirens Gate was like, "Can I please make the song <laughs> <that> the orc <laughs> is, <laughs> orcish, orcish love song?" And we're like, that's, "Yeah, go for it." So you get awesome. to, to experience that. You know, yeah. you're walking through a market. You get to experience that in these. So we were trying to figure a way to be as immersive as possible virtually, mm-hmm. and um, and with. The capability of doing that in person when we can all start playing again. Yeah. Um, because this isn't going to be like this forever, and we don't want to cater just towards quarantine times. Uh, yeah. We want to, to have it very dynamic so anyone can play however they want. Yeah. And, if, <laughs> and
3: even if you just want the book and, and- like again with those QR codes, they can have the soundtrack too. You know, we want to meet meet players where they they play at at their table. Yeah, that's
0: that's fantastic. I mean, that that um, flexibility I think is 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 amazing. And and I, the the QR codes is that's super clever. I have to say because I've I've certainly thought of the idea of playing with with audio engineering during a game, and I don't think I've ever quite crossed that bridge. Uh, Dan, have you ever oh. you ever done it? <laughs>
1: I have not, you know. Our good yeah. friend BJ used to do that once that's in right. a while, and um, uh, you know, it was it was a second thing that he had a juggle, and I would see him occasionally having difficulty with that. Actually, yeah,
3: that's so this brilliant. is this is the red this is the red opera, and so you can see here this is the, the Q, QR code here. So that's this great. is this is chapter one. So you you literally just go in, you scan the code, and it goes right to a digital download on a web player where you can either play play it on our website or download it for yourself. And for every every chapter, it has a QR code. Um, and yeah. this this is this is the red opera. So this is this is our last book Oof. it's a warlock campaign book um again big big old honking you know, <laughs> <Yeah. 26 laughs> that way. Uh, we wanted wanted to, to lean lean into that again for sirens and and uh, people really enjoy that from the red opera and so we're yeah excited that's to do great. it again that's that's very clever brilliant.
1: <clears throat> brilliant, brilliant paul you might want to put up the comment that our our visitor d had about his the combination of of VTTs that they put together, I think it's like about two comments ago on my my screen that I thought was interesting. So that kind of shows that uh, different people can kind of mix and match the pieces that works for them, uh, which is pretty interesting. There you go. All right. So D writes, I went with HB and PDF add on
0: VTT add on Sirenscape, so I could play in Salvata all the ways.
3: Yeah. That's great. and, and that, that that way, people can have the physical copy. So, if they're playing around a table, they can literally open it up like I just did. Be like, all right, this is what you see. Uh, and if they want, they can have the GM screen also that has um, you know beautiful imagery on the outside and a bunch of you know uh, optimized you know stats. We have our faction tracker, our fame and infamy system. I am
2: obsessed with how bad dungeon master screens are and I vowed to create one that is efficient for everybody <laughs> that wants to play this game yeah <laughs> uh, it's like my nerddom is graphic design and like the uh, for web stuff GUI right that the way things are laid out if it takes me more than a second to find something I start twitching out so we're we're designing it and I'm gonna go in kind of the nitty-gritty here um, so I dungeon master with my laptop. I like to have hyperlinks and everything, but I really love the dungeon master screen because it immerses the players in the world. Every time they look at the game master, they see this beautiful scene that sk- kind of immerses them. So that's on that end. On my end, I've got my laptop and I want to I want to be able to see there's like above the laptop and then on the sides. So behind the laptop, there's going to be information that you, you don't necessarily always need but like conditions right like that's what i would have it where i would have it because so you, can, you know lower,
3: lower your laptop and then see, oh, see, see yeah, what you okay. need there yeah but
2: then yeah, you yeah. have the stuff you need all the time which is you know what what's on the what's in the districts um going to be 10, ten different
3: districts each 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 one of them was built every 100 years so they really operate almost in some ways their own miniature subset yeah
2: exactly so it's like who who are the like most important people Uh, most important NPC stat information. Like you don't need to put a whole thing. You just have quick reference items. You have your faction and fame tracker system. You have your rune system for the The big bad. Um, And everything is efficient. I'm just really excited to dive into that. I really
1: respect that. I mean, we had a, we had an episode like I think three weeks back, where we for a whole hour we were Paul and I were rapping about like how do you make notes and how do you prepare and what do you want to, you know what is the most efficient thing to have in front of you when you actually sit down uh, to run a scenario, particularly that was written by somebody else. Um, and so I really respect that, and I agree. You know, like like I, I we we played quite a bit of third edition D and D at one point, and the screen there was not. Not well laid out at all. I was really kind of shocked over and over again at what they decided to put there was sort of just like random stuff. And the amount of thought that you, Satine, are putting into exactly where stuff is being placed is that's how it ought to be done, frankly. That's the way.
2: <laughs> so there is one game jam sc- screen that I love. It's the Rick and Morty Dungeon Master
0: screen. It
2: is. It's so simplified, and it also has Rick kind of being a dick, right? And you're like, I remember everything because he's so sassy, and that's kind of like it gets in the players' handbook pamphlet and their Dungeon Master screen. If you haven't looked at it, go check it out. It's so efficient.
1: Wow. Paul, do you have that? Or am I thinking of like a copy I, I have of a little bit a copy comic, of that over here on my shelf. Thinking, yeah, absolutely. oh, you little <laughs>
0: Yeah, of yeah, If it was of a little would of a out, but it's a little out yeah. of reach right now <laughs>
1: fantastic brilliant. brilliant i like that a lot so i mean among the things you guys have mentioned have been you uh, mechanics that you're saying are worked into to maybe, maybe you can tell us what those are as we as we dig into the nitty-gritty a little bit more and i and i'm told you haven't you haven't uh you haven't uh revealed this everywhere so maybe we're about to get a bit of an exclusive about what the the novel mechanics are here please
2: (laughs) yeah so there's two big things that we have implemented in this book that will change uh, so the game master does a lot of prep ahead of time um, if you want to go down this route, you can actually run the game, you know, chapter to chapter, or you can do a little pre-planning. Um, so one is the fame and faction, and one is the fiend creation, and how you use, how you do this ahead of time, will change the way everyone in the city will react to your players through the entire game. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So uh, again, with 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 these books, um people love to love to have the books and and, you know players can read through them and and when a player kind of has a bit of insight into the mechanics of the world um they're kind of like almost able to to like understand how the story is going to unfold. So we wanted to incorporate a way that um, having a fiend system where the players didn't actually know which fiend it was. Now we'd hope that a player doesn't, you know, read all the important bits. It'll spoil their own experience. So it's kind of like shooting themselves in the foot, but sometimes they can't help themselves. And so we wanted to <laughs> embed um, some things that would would still have uh, not only replayability, but you know some, some really pretty drastic changes. And so we have a fiend system where we have, um, the actual true name of the fiend through a runic system, and so um, all of the NPCs that are involved in this fiend are trying to gather these these these, these shards of and the codex of this true name of this fiend. Um, some because they want to kill the fiend, others because they want to protect the fiend, and then others still who want to bind the fiend and control it for their own will. So you have these different factions all trying to gather up these names, and then the players have to go out and do it, and they can barter for some of the shards or of the not. name or not, or they can, you know, (laughs) draw them into themselves to gain the boons of this scene and then deal with the consequences. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so each one of these, uh, uh, we have it dissected into like 12 different attributes. And so we say dungeon master put these attributes together and that will create the attitude and the feel and the, um, the, the way that this, uh, the bad guys who worship, these this fiend interacts with other people and the the attributes are so different that it will change the the way um the the feel of the city and And the emerald cabal
3: who is kind of the the ones who've allied themselves to the fiend and then this character called the herald who is literally the herald of the fiend kind of the mouthpiece of the fiend in our material realm until the fiend comes into the material realm if that's how you decide to to take the campaign. And
2: um, the Emerald Cabal has infiltrated the city in different ways so the city is broken up into um, districts but also the the oasis is filled with this water that's been infused with um God essence, right? This holy magic. So the nobles up top have pulled it using this great siphon up to the top. And there's all these aqueducts and waterfalls that organize the water so that the nobles get the most magic. And then it's trickled down, trickled down um, to the, the bottom layer. And there's not they're... a lot
3: left by the time it hits display. Yeah, <laughs> and so the common folk are really
2: upset. And the Emerald Cabal have infiltrated the government. They've infiltrated the nobles. And now you also have that the political system going on. You have all the artists in the city who just want to make a name for themselves, and like, what are they going to do to, um, you know, to make a name for themselves? I'm from Los Angeles. This is a thing that's <laughs> real, like, in real life. People yeah. sacrifice their honor to do things that aren't good for everyone, and they'll go and backstab other people. So, you know, you've got the Emerald Cabal up here. And then a little bit down here and you've got the uh, rebellion also moving through so that you can actually feel the more the Emerald Cabal have infiltrated the city, you'll be able to feel that in the game. We've also designed the game along a timeline so that the time moves no matter what. The moment you start playing, there's a ticking clock. So we have a timeline system for game masters to know exactly where everyone is at all times. So <clears throat> your players can go shopping, and they'll still feel the effects of whatever else is happening. So that's a, a mechanic that we're building in as well. Yeah,
3: treat urgency within the story. So instead of people just, you know, drinking at tavern and not really feeling um, any necessity to actually, you know, do do a thing. Uh, again, the most compelling stories are one which you're called into action, and that your decisions really have consequences. So if you do go shopping, and you should, you know, get get new gear, and that's great. Um, then the other, the other pieces on the board will continue to move. Um, and if you, for example, if you don't go and actively get these true names of the fiend, other people will, and they will do things with them that you will not like.
2: Yeah, and um, one of my favorite things is a dungeon master, and I've been called a mean dungeon master because I like to take away resources from my players. <laughs> because that's the <laughs> obstacle, you gotta give them obstacles so they can yeah. go through their own hero's journey, right? Um, right, yeah, right. We, yeah. <laughs> so the entire... <laughs> (laughs) Um, it takes place over a 10 day ish. So we're like, how do you give them back resources so they can keep going? You're gonna have them going on night runs on these side quests. You're gonna have them staying up. And also they only have a certain amount of spell slots. So we've um, created this magical elixir called Cassava. And the ones, the, the magic way at the top has pure cassava, pure cassava tonics. Mm-hmm. We we call them because uh, the elixir of the gods is this other thing that the Emerald Cabal developed. That's super not okay and addicting, but the city has these tonics that will aid you, give you boons. Like um, on some of the middle, like at the university, it kind of it's like a Red Bull and it kind of keeps you up, makes you gives you a little boost. But the nobles, way at the top, they have pure cassava tonic and that's going to give you a long rest that's going to be able to replenish your spell slots and also give you little boons depending on your d4 role of you know maybe you get uh you know haste for an hour which is a long time but this is like we really want you to be capable of going through this adventure
1: mm-hmm. great. great you know i gotta really uh, you know respect the fact that You have quantified that stuff because I can imagine, you know, someone playing that very loosey-gloosey in a a subjective sense and, you know, maybe me as DM, you know, not entirely owning the adventure getting lost with exactly how much intensity I should be putting on a particular thing, but I really like the, the fact that you do have specific point values for different actions about how is it affecting your fame in the city how is it, it benefiting this faction of the city and personally i like the fact that you've come up with very concrete as a as a lunatic numbers guy i appreciate <laughs> that you've boiled that down to actual you know easy to deal with right? easy yeah. to deal with point system to make that very very concrete um, were you were you inspired by other game products like i can i can you know i can think of a couple classic adventures doesn't happen a whole lot some of my favorite epic d d adventures use similar things did you independently come up with that idea or were you looking at some other some other sources for inspiration I, you like? I, I
3: think we were just inspired by <laughs> by all of it i mean anything from like mass effect to you know you know fifth edition you know other fifth edition products to other editions and just other random yeah. game systems. Been, um, yeah
2: i really love uh, we're both video gamers and um I also really like choose your own adventures. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you create these like, possibility trees and also not make it convoluted, yeah. you know? So sometimes when we're world building, we get like, we're very eccentric, extreme people. And we're like, what if this, what if this? Then we have to kind of bring everything yeah. back. Now we've got all these different, um, these tendrils going out into the story. We have to make sure that they're very efficient. So. Hey the i remember there was a faction tracker i think in one of the old um xanathars or something there was like pretty recent that i liked when i was working with the guild adepts and that was a really fun thing that we did where it's like oh you have to gonna go in with whatever faction and so you're trying to infiltrate and what happens if you mess it up and you lose faction you lose like a favor in that faction um i don't personally play other systems other than video games and um you know and these choose your own adventure styles or endless quests as D &D calls them Mm -hmm. um because i'm just really obsessed with dungeons and dragons yeah thank you that's yeah you know what sometimes (laughs) i get chafe
1: for (laughs) largely being a one system aficionado and, and sometimes I get some static of people saying, "Dan, you got to play more games. You got to play a whole big variety of games." I'm like, "I'm trying to figure out how to play D and D <laughs> properly. Once I figure yeah. that out, yeah, okay, then maybe I'll add something to my plate." But it hasn't happened yet. So thank you, Satine, for uh, yeah. being on uh, a Team uh, Focus.
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to play the You got to expert in. Yeah, yeah um, you, should, you should play what you want to play. Hey, sure. now that said, I really liked 10 candles and the 10 candles taught me that you can have your players help build the world right Mm -hmm. they can be Mm -hmm. a part of it You, you don't have to rely on um you know i'm the dungeon master i have to create every single element here um and there's a little bit of that in this game where you're the you know, you're the group that's working in this stuff. Like, you're the one that can tell me if there's ropes hanging from the side of of the stage, or if there's, you know, turkey on the the tavern uh, table. I really like Cthulhu, where they they have this, like, sanity tracker, right? And we don't have that here, but it's these other little... Every once in a while, there's little things that do pop up that inspire, but... Of course I'm like a super hardcore dungeon master and I'm like that's cool but I'm gonna we're gonna make it like this instead you know well
3: also keeping it simple I mean and that that's the key so it's, yeah. it's, it's easy to use simple makes sense so like the, the numerical value is, is it actually like is self referential and actually makes sense as a metaphysics within the world instead of you know wild numbers that, that are you know out, outside of the proportions of, of what would actually be logical and to find that balance is, is really really hard. One of the faction trackers that I actually liked the, the most and it was, it's so simple. It's a, from a really old video game, uh, GTA one. So Grand Theft Auto one, the first one, and it, it's, it was super simple. If you do something that one of the three factions likes, you get a, you know, an uptick. If you do something, if you help another faction, you get a downtick. And only if you are seen doing those things by one of the faction members. Yeah, that's a big
2: thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and
3: the entire system was so, it just, it was so solid. And then there were certain quests that you could not do because these people really didn't like you because you're helping these other people. And you could, though, if you do other things, you could balance it out to only if you go work extra hard, you can gain um, gain stats in one faction without. Making the other factions mad if you wanted to take the time to do that. So, you could have a high rating in, in everything. And if you did that, you then started to become the king of the city. Um, and so, <laughs> we're trying to blend it in a similar way. So, it's, it's just all risk reward. You know, how much time do you want to spend doing this? How much time do you have on your timeline? What is your ultimate goal? And you may decide that you change goals too, and that's fine as well.
2: Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, we were going over the DCs for different scenarios. And um, especially in chapter one, you know, how do you make a very epic feeling game with lots of choice, but also not punish your players because you wanna prove yourself as a dungeon master, right? So, um, you know, teaching people how to play your games, which is your chapter one, that's your training level. um, Understanding that, you know, maybe a certain section has a lower dc so that you get your players to buy in once they bought in then you can raise that dc and then they're like wait what what just happened
3: you know so um, we're,
2: we're cr- using mechanics to craft mood and engagement with the players which i i often see game masters just going full force in without the understanding of what the purpose is of each part of your um your chapters awesome.
0: Let me let me ask you something here. Uh, That's um, sort of a, a slight riff on something that was going on in the chat just now. Uh, I'm just kind of curious because you talked earlier about um, this being the, perhaps the product with the most player agency you've you've built, and and yet also you have things like like timelines and these factions and whatnot. Like, where how do you find that balance between? giving sort of events that need to happen in some kind of sequence versus allowing for that player agency that might just, you know, completely throw the game off the rails and do something totally crazy.
3: Yeah, so uh, the way that I see it, a lot of it is, is game design. Like, like in, in a video game, you'll have things will branch out, and you can go a lot of different ways, and then they will funnel in to bottlenecks. And mm-hmm. you don't have to have; um, you can have a couple different bottlenecks depending on um, the, the you know the the decision tree that happened previously. Um, but when you look at it, um, so Apotheosis Studios, uh, we we make you know fifth edition products, then also working on a video game too, and a lot of our writers actually. Oh. Um, have video game experience. And so by by doing branching dialogue in more of a video game fashion, we can kind of track this out then while simultaneously having on top of it the fact that players will do things that are not that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And so how can you then equip a, a game master with the tools to kind of bring that back in and then flavor the rest of the experiences with the understanding that those decisions have, had already happened by your players and then take all of that and make it really, really simple and fast to use. And it's hard. It's a yeah. really hard and, and, and challenging yeah. experience. But the, the most depth that you can have in that as a game master, to kind of hold that whole world and then easily track and and have like a numerical value for these things. And then a a, a bar that says, okay, if you have this number, this is what it means. So people can literally- And this is what the
2: N, these are the NPCs who will react to you in this manner, yeah. because of the choices that, that you've that this made. has
3: happened, and 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 have that so you can do it in under ten seconds, <laughs> because you have you know five six people waiting for you to make a decision. Yeah, you've got to yeah. be able to do it really yeah. quickly. Um, and so we suggest the game master screen so you can have some of these tables, but you don't have to. You could you could either you know have have the book in front of you or have it as a printout, have it on your laptop, or have it on a VTT, um, and then have that have that information kind of going for you. But like simplicity, like it, it's this weird balance of like complexity while having it simple <laughs> and like yeah yeah and
2: that's the art form right? yeah. Yeah. of, of uh, game easy. design <laughs> that's it we're you know game designers yeah. and that is the thing that you have to keep track of but also as game designers are like who are the people who are going to play this yeah. uh, maybe they're new game masters so we have it so you can just run it straight through yeah. and what are you playing you're playing more of a like uh competition which is you know there's a contest and the entire thing is there's a grand invocation and we got to figure out who's going to be the final performers to go and be at that final, uh, that grand invocation. You could just play it that way and have a a couple things here and there of like, you know, some rebellion, some uh, Emerald Cabal weaved in, or you can have an intermediate dungeon master experience mm-hmm. and you do a little more prep, or you can have a super advanced game master experience with a lot more prep and a lot more intrigue and a lot more side quest maneuvering and being able to like get just dive deeper into the story. Right. We don't want to punish anybody for not doing enough, we don't yeah. want to punish anyone for. Um, uh, over preparing, mm-hmm. you know, so we really want this accessible for um, a vast, uh, a very varied amount of people.
3: Yeah. And, and again, all, all of our all of our key, you know, key kind of writers and story, you know, s- story creators, um, we're all game masters, too. And so we use ourselves as our own kind of sample audience. And I always think of, okay, how would I use this? Um, and there are a lot of other systems that that if maybe done perfectly, would be amazing, but they're too complex to do just right off the bat. Very, very, very quick calculations. So a lot of times I will then chuck that whole system and kind of make a hybrid of what I know, what I've done in the past with that. And and that's cool, but then I'm a little bit like, well, I don't need that book. I can just do it myself. And so we're trying to lay out all of the tools for a game master to be like, okay, this is how we envision it working. This is how we've play tested it. Um, And we're really excited to continue play testing with people too, and we have a... Uh, uh an email that people can contact us to, to work with us on this um but this is this is the, the the set that we have out for you we've made it very 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 simple um and have a high degree of complexity depending on how deeply you want to lean into it now like enjoy it and make it your own and if you want to tweak it to how you want to do it that's totally all right again just like you know normal dungeon dragons like, these are suggestions for you as the game master you this is your you know your, your or, you you're the you orchestrating this adventure
2: yeah i i do an open mic night when i go to different conventions and i'll run the same game like once or twice during every convention and if you guys have seen me around you know that i go to all the conventions so i've run this (laughs) over and over for many years and what was really interesting is like play basically play testing this idea for the last four years and watching how people respond and the things that i think they're going to do they don't sometimes Mm -hmm. um but what they uh, what i think they're going to do in this route they almost always do and so now i've got um information i have like market research (laughs) of you know how people are going to respond and also how i can remove things depending on the engagement of the players. Some players, you know, they, they say they want intrigue, but they really just want to go shopping and play. Mm-hmm. So how can I, the game master, adjust my story that doesn't punish them, right? Yeah. Because they are there to have an experience with you, but it doesn't punish them, but shows them consequences mm-hmm. so that they can have the agency to, okay, I want to 40% goof off and 60% mm-hmm um buy into this story um and maybe you know you're running this it's a long maybe this uh 10 chapters actually takes you a year to run or takes you two months to run um knowing that some players are going to dip in and out how do you design a game knowing that with quarantine times people have a very short attention span of like um how often they're going to be able to play so being able to design a game in that route of okay here's chapter one it could take you one session it could take you uh, four sessions, but at least you have a really solid experience in that one chapter and You have really
3: clear choices too, mm-hmm. you know, again from a psychological perspective We can have analysis paralysis where there's so many options, but by saying hey This is a if you if you do this and you, you experience it in our first act um, If you do this it will th- this is what you might be able to gain from this Because like, we don't want it to be like double secret probation where they don't know what's gonna happen and like well, well That's not fair <laughs> it, it doesn't matter <laughs> of what reason, your reasonable outcome of this may be. And then if you do this what your reasonable outcome may be and then say, alright, this choice has deep, deep, deep ramifications for the rest of the story. Choose wisely, what do you want to do? And then lay it out and then have fun with it and then have that have that tracked and felt through the entire experience.
2: Yeah, so we're designing all this so the dungeon master doesn't, doesn't have to. to. <laughs> 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 it sounds complicated over here, yeah. but that is our job yeah. is to figure all this out, lay it out in a very beautiful streamlined manner that's easy for you to digest and maneuver. Yeah. You know, I feel like
1: there's, there's so much there that I really, I really like you guys saying, honestly, that hits really close to the, the heart, actually, of what Paul and I are you know, here to do every week, as a matter of fact. And I think that when we first thought about having you guys on, I feel like a couple people could have said, Dan, this is not the product for you. This is going to be, I don't know how you're going to interface with a product like this. But, you know, the playtesting is very important. And I have I love hearing that I've read, you know, I can tell when a product has been play tested. Right. And I've written kind of semi viciously about certain products that that was clear about that in the past. And I love hearing both of you come back around to the pacing issue. And I think Paul agrees with me. For me, my number one dogma is pacing comes first. I don't mm-hmm. always succeed at that all the time but the goal is to get is to get the pacing be snappy and if you have to spend time you know flipping through a book that that's got to go the book has to go if you're forced to do that um mm-hmm. you know the other thing that, I, that i'll point out is uh, you know paul and i uh, ourselves met when we were both computer game engineers a number of years ago ah. so we also right have to flip back and forth wow, between thinking <laughs> computer game and thinking you know tabletop rpgs and a lot of the times and i think you guys look at this the comparison i make is tabletop plays like theater and the computer games are like movies yeah and they're, yeah. Both, right, they're both great fields and uh you know there's a lot of people of course that uh, make a lot of money in the movie field but then really their heart is in the live theater end of it, which is really a lot, really ultimately more rewarding to the soul. Um, I would add so something to
2: that actually. Yeah. Please. Um, so uh, maybe about three years ago, I got really obsessed with um, escape rooms and virtual reality. So I got all these books on um, designing games for virtual reality, because that is essentially what you're doing. You the dungeon master are crafting a virtual experience and adventure for your players. Mm-hmm. So, um, being able to have that understanding on the back end where it's not just theater. It is an experience You are there your players are able to taste the air around them And so how do you run a game so that they are so immersed that they? Forget that they're sitting in front of a computer. They forget that you know that they have to roll dice They do roll it, but it's almost just to amplify the choices that they make so I would say yes Game design, yes, you know storytelling design, but also virtual and escape room design.
3: Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> there's something too to din of what you're saying. I I totally agree. I, again, I I love video games. For me, video games are much more kind of like a the stage is set. I'll put in a, an input and then it like goes like you know and something happens and then I have another choice and I'll put an input and then something happens and it's it's a much more passive experience as a player where TTRPG I am literally co-creating what happens um, like I have like my my choice and my agency is really real and I, I like RPGs stuff like like Witcher three again like we talked about Mass Effect Good. these are like as far as like your level of input is very high in comparison to like an FPS like you just are on rails and just shoot stuff. Um, less interesting to me some people love that again i don't want to i don't want to judge how people play um but a ttrpg is like it's like theater where you have a script but you get to go off lines too you know you get to like like when i play i get to be this character and actually make choices that is like wildly different from a game design perspective than a video game. Like they can't do that, at least not yet. And maybe someday, I don't think it'll be in our lifetime, but where you actually are interacting with all these NPCs, particularly when you have an amazing game master that can just on the fly, create these like little, you know these people that pop up. Yeah, so, you, know,
2: you create that because of the studying you do, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I'm a script writing storyteller. I, I really like sequential storytelling um i write all my live stream games on a script Uh, you were talking about your agency and and pacing i actually have a script for my games and i have time on it so no matter what this is what happens at this time this is what happens at this time and i'm not able to do that in this book it's like a little hard for me but um it's just, yeah. every time you have a game master in front of you and they're running a game and you're like, oh, that's a good dungeon master. That dungeon master has practiced a lot. Yeah. And it's just another artistic skill. It's another way to communicate. So um, I say thank you, my love. Yeah. And also, <laughs> like, I play, what, like four games a week at this point? A lot.
3: I think more actually, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with your Patreon <laughs> games too. But I, tol- I, 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 I totally agree with you. I, I, really? I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's hard. Great. It's not easy. To do, man. <laughs> it's not easy. The, the, the advanced
1: timing, particularly, I mean, you know, and of course, we know that there's a big difference between like long running campaign play and, you know, one shot at a convention. And the bit about writing down the time for different scenes in a convention in advance, I'm like, oh, crap, I should have. Like, Paul would have really wished that I'd done that a couple times when I go long. <laughs> when I yeah. go long at conventions that we're, that we're at, and um, like I take up a table that he's supposed to have next. I've, I've been really bad about <laughs> it twice. Oh, geez, I should have done that. And now oh, I do that <laughs> for
2: um, my ongoing campaigns as well. Because if I know that my okay. players have X amount of brain, you know, uh, cap- uh, poss- uh, capabilities, they have attention spans, right? So. Um, I know that if somebody comes to my table, they're probably going to be there for three to four months before they want to go, you know, skiing or mm-hmm. go to the beach for on their weekends. So now I'm like, okay, I have this, this arc that's going to last about two months. I'm going to break the story down. So they ought, this is kind of how we're doing this. The world lives and breathes and will do the things that it does. Your players will be over here doing the thing that they do. But all this always happens. So if the story is always gonna go, you can the players can try to thwart that. And then the the world will react to their thwarting of that. But that there is always a time frame for everything. So even for longer campaigns, so I'm also a story coach, that's what I do on my Patreon. And so I help people break down their, um, their game. So it feels like that movie that TV show you're in, and that um, you have a really big part of this story. But also, there are things that will always happen. Or if it doesn't activate, then that world will react and kind of other consequences will happen. But yeah, that time man, it really saves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's brilliant. That's great.
2: Thanks. <laughs> um, you know, let
1: me. So we we got a, just a couple minutes left. So let me ask one other thing. So when that. So in uh, um, Salvada, uh, obviously the the ruler um, when when you start off, I guess, is the the great Chancellor Calrith, who is a mm-hmm. diviner wizard, and it's basically government by entertainment. And so he is uh, the lead showman and he's running broadcasts into a whole bunch of crystal balls. And, um, you know, here's a, here comes a really deep cut for some of our viewers. And it really reminded me of, so this whole idea of like government by entertainer, um, it reminded me a lot of, um, there's a El Sprague de Camp novel that's very foundational to D&D actually, called The Fallible Fiend, published in 1972. And one of the scenes is that your main character goes to this country that became led by a former showman entertainer who was, uh, related to the wrestling, um, community. And the entire country is now in a ruin and the the, the police are gone and the army is disbanded and all the houses are all shut up and it's just total chaos. And the ruler is still in place. No, one's been able to tell him about this. But in that particular case, the 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 government by entertainer has fallen to shambles. Now, Salvada seems pretty nice to me. It seems like it's running pretty darn well when we first enter. So my question to you is a political science question, (laughs) and this is in in your guys, in Jameson and Satine's uh, opinion, would government by entertainer be successful? Uh, like Satana, like Salvado, as it starts out, or would
2: it be a total disaster
1: <laughs> like Infallible scene? What do you think would actually happen?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, we fix that.
3: <laughs> so, 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 one of the ways how how we see it, it, they have so they have this grand invocation every 100 years, and with this invocation, they have to literally beg for the gods to re and re kind of bless their sacred waters with quesava, this magical essence that allows them to do all the things that they're doing. If they don't have that blessing, the city basically comes to a grinding halt. Um, and it is, it is a um, non-renewable resource except for this invocation. Um, and this is the last of the 100 years. Uh, the last 100 years, so it's a thousand years, that's all they get. So Calrath is building this kind of capping stone to create a battery so it's self-charging. So with with that said, Calrath, understanding that these are a bunch of entertainments, it's kind of like LA meets Vegas. He's Paris, Paris, London. Paris, yeah, with, with, and, all, you know, art, art, and so people are here to see a spectacle. So he can show this spectacle, like, look over here, guys, take take a look at this, while he's doing everything else in the background. Um, and each disc actually has their their own style of governance. Uh, some are more unionized, others are, are more of a democracy, others are just you know utilitarian. utilitarian. Yeah. yeah, and 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 all of, there's this council of every each and every disc of these you know ten disc leaders with Calrath kind of being the chair. And they then do backroom deals as as an aristocracy, kind of making decisions. And the Emerald Cabal has come in and started to infiltrate that by giving this elixir of the gods and so does it have what are the long-term implications of this Calrath really just has one goal we've got to get this capping stone done because we cannot be reliant on the gods and he, he like ends justifies the means for him if i've got to entertain people i'll entertain people if i have to do deals with the emerald cabal who very literally deal the other deals with fiends i'll do that um and so like it's kind of like teetering on an edge, like all government. I mean, I think <laughs> our government. I look around, like, oh, oh, really? so well, like, I, oh my I, god,
1: I should, god, I should find out about money. that. That seems important. I should, <laughs> I, I should
0: learn about
2: that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, we really want each district to feel proud of um, what they are and how they function. So we have this government set up so that it's representatives from each district. Yep. And within the district, they have their own system, their own system of that works with everyone else. Yep. Um, yep. But of course, we don't know which one of those representatives Some of them have been, been corrupted. In, in yeah, corrupted. Yeah, and you
3: don't know who, and you yeah. have to go and do missions to actually find out, because if, if you want to ally yourself with the resistance, which is kind of our standard track, although you don't have to, um, you have to then find out who are double agents for the Emerald Cabal. Um, And if just because someone may seem to be that way, you don't want to assume that because they may be trying to infiltrate the Emerald Cabal for the resistance and trying to help the resistance too. And so there's a lot of faction play. Um, It's it's a lot of fun. And so we actually have to help mitigate this. um, And it's quick reference for every disk we have, um, every district, we have an actual section of saying, these are the main characters, (laughs) these are the key locations, and this is how they self govern in this specific disk, and how it relates to Cowrath's um, faction tracker um, of, of him being one of the kind of the, the leader of all of those but each one will operate differently um, and you can go in and hypothetically assassinate certain council members or certain to destabilize a certain government if you either, if it's not conducive to your ultimate goal
2: I'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> it's like, how, do you, how do you just offer like oh we have, we created a government yeah. we've created multiple Ten, factions well,
3: like, like honestly Ten, like six uh, nine six, governments, Yes yeah, six, oh, six minus one six different governments yeah. the top the top ones are, are very verified and then the third is yeah. a double yeah, yeah. so
2: they yeah. actually attempted to call down the gods on the third uh century but it failed and it failed because they kind of did the same thing and yeah. gods are like the gods no. Are like no no, no. and yeah. so that Definitely. district is bigger <laughs> much and it's larger. a little harder and they're much
3: more unionized yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. we're yeah. world builders we're this is what yeah. we do
1: <laughs> i love the design of the city honestly and it very much struck you know it very much gave me a an echo of babylon Right, and, mm-hmm. and we all know that that worked uh-huh. out very well. So <laughs> I, I feel good things. I feel good things coming for the, the, the towered city of Salvata. That's great. Yeah, are, nice. I'm going to yeah. interject
0: here because we are we are now running the clock. Uh, I would ask for final thoughts, but I'm uh, <laughs> uh, not expecting such a you guys answer. are so like, much. What? I know you <laughs> to talk to you. Like,
2: <laughs> you ask really good questions. Yeah, awesome. We anyway. haven't even gone into subclasses <laughs> I know we need not talk about subclasses. <laughs> so No, We're no I'm boxes, sorry, I had on the list. No,
3: it's I know, right? I'm sorry. Quick, I, quick will... shout out to Oracle 44 too. He yeah. here is, is, is D, but he's he's from right. our uh, he's from from, yeah. from our, our Twitch stream. So yeah, shout awesome. out to Oracle 44. How's it going, man? Awesome.
1: We are so awesome. glad you you joined yeah. us today. Thank you guys. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much,
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> viewers. If you would like to get in on this amazing Kickstarter, which I think has 13 days left uh, on the clock, ah! uh, please check out. Uh, their links in the chat here. If you're with us live right now, uh, if you're watching this after the fact on youtube there will be links in the description text there uh, definitely check it out uh, help help us uh, unlock those those last uh couple of uh still locked uh goals and uh and uh, i'm sure it's gonna be just an amazing product
2: Thank you, oh, you so much.
0: much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're excited Definitely. to hear what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Run <laughs> and t- talk to us about it. Like, let's, let's beta test it together because it's, I, I love geeking out. And I know Rick Hines, um, one, one of our other, he said, we just, we love playing in these worlds and then tweaking and fine tuning and then like showing it to other people. Be like, what do you think? Oh, okay. And then, I don't know, this is, this is literally. This is what all we, we love for. to do. Love That's for. all we do. Is we it.
2: wake up. Yeah. We just got married. We wake yeah. up and we nerd out yeah. and we make games. <laughs> is it. And we pass out. It's really cool.
1: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's I, I really like hearing that uh i will say that um uh to, to those of uh those viewers uh, who are maybe new to the wandering dm show here remember that uh we are on a bunch of different social media and you can uh, like and flow and subscribe to us on youtube and twitter and twitch and Facebook, and also GitHub, um, uh, and uh, you get and you'll get to see notifications on on great guests uh, like like Satine and Jameson having today. We'll to see more of that in the future. If you prefer to
0: listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, those are available on our website at wanderingdams.com. You can also find us on all the podcast carriers like iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, If you are listening to this show from one of those locations, please take a minute to rate and review us there. That helps other users of that uh, platform find our show, and we really appreciate it.
1: Uh, we really do. And I'll also say if you are listening to this in podcast form, uh, feel free to just Google Sirens Kickstarter. And the very first link will land you on the, on the Kickstarter for Sirens Battle of Bards. Uh, free first chapter, free maps, amazing videos, amazing music. It's, it's, it's really quite a stunning project uh upcoming this week uh we usually have three shows a week here in wandering dms paul should be back on uh, thursday night with 10 dead rats our warhammer DD mashup which is hilarious every single time uh (laughs) my partner isabel and i will be back for our uh old school miniature war game on saturday nights with book of war um yes we did make up from last time uh, (laughs) and we will be back on saturday with 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 yet more ferocious battles on saturday and of course i have to give a big shout out to our patrons who generously support all of our shows and make possible having guests like Satine and jameson conversations like this so if you are in a position to um join our generous patrons please do go to patreon.com slash wandering you'll see our different tiers whole bunch of benefits like private discord server monthly surveys and polls on what you would like to see coming up discounts on merch Uh, an after-party chat every Sunday right after this show, and we'll be there in about five minutes or so with our video chat, and I probably forgot something Paul's about to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Let's say I I, I usually like to to stick it to you. Let's see, there's the the debriefing videos. You get to see our uh, private patron-only debriefing videos. There you go.
1: Right. The director's <laughs> cuts. Right. Yes. Anyway, that, a bunch of stuff. I, yeah. So much stuff today. Yeah. So uh, huge, huge thanks to Satina and Jameson. We hope that your Kickstarter is a, a, a smashing success and you get to all 10 tiers, we're hoping, and looking forward to all the different um, uh, co-authors getting to join in with you that. So good luck on that. Thank you so much for today.
3: Thank yeah, thanks so for hanging out. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> yeah, hey, you guys. Are Maybe awesome?
1: we can have you back sometime because I, <laughs> hey, I got more. I got we more questions here, We have to talk here, about friendly.
2: subclasses. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, know. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Okay. I also really want to nerd out about you guys about the like like subclass theory yeah. and multi-classing. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. have a lot to talk about. It's More stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We have a whole ongoing series about classes and subclasses <laughs> on the show that we're trying to work through. In fact, we have an idea to do bards that we yeah, were we on the cusp Bart of yet. like a couple weeks. We have to do
3: bards. <laughs> right? Okay. Perfect. Yeah, okay. let's do it.
1: Thank you very much. So we will look forward to all of those things from, from different quadrants. And uh, don't forget, of course, that we are here live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time with the Wandering Dams talk show. And we hope that you will join us again next week for another Thought-provoking discussion.
0: We'll see you then. Bye, everyone.